Have you noticed that politicians struggle to enact the things they run on? That regardless of who wins elections, lawmakers find that they cannot pass whatever legislation they like. They find themselves bound by what is popular, or at least their sense of it. The narrow range of policies lawmakers can enact is called the Overton Window. And on the Overton Window podcast, we look at issues around the country and the people changing what is politically possible. Shifting the window doesn't require just good ideas. It requires strategy. It requires understanding what forces are pressing on policymakers and how people can be persuaded and where to push to have the most impact on an issue. This is what communications bring, uh, people bring to the table. They can bring needed intensity to an otherwise dull issue. They can find and persuade the people who have the biggest effect on an issue. And they can craft compelling messages that persuade reluctant people. Today, I'm talking with Brett Kittridge, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications for Empower Mississippi, an advocacy organization dedicated to removing barriers to opportunity in Mississippi. I wanted to talk with him about how he's helped keep the sale of goat milk legal in the Magnolia State. Brett, what has been going on with goat milk regulation? That's a, that's a, a good question. I appreciate you um, talking with me. It's it sort of whenever you mention it, you just kind of laugh, right? You, you hear goat milk. Why does that really matter? You know, why do we care? Why is it legal? Why is it not legal? Um, who, who needs this? Who likes this? Who doesn't? And so at the end, you know, at, at the beginning of the day, I guess I was going to say at the end of the day, but at the beginning of the day, we never went out as an organization and said like, hey, our, our fight is dedicated to. So we were preserving, preserving this small cutout uh, for the sale of raw goat milk. It, it was uh, as narrow as you could possibly define it. You couldn't sell your product or, or advertise your product online. You couldn't have more than 10 goats. So, I mean, we're talking small operations, no ability to um, advertise, but, but word of mouth. And here we still had the legislature like, eh, I don't know if we necessarily want to do this. So this just came really out of nowhere for us. It, it was uh, just, you know, lots of times in this policy world, that's what that's what happens. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so watching the legislature yeah. uh, for the year and, and there was a bill that said, hey, you know, that small market for goat milk that exists. We don't yeah. want that anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. And right. And so we can talk about, you know, whether or not that was because of competition, because, you know, the dairy industry or, or um, larger ag groups who, who have a bigger pool and a, a bigger influence than uh, your small coat farmer would. Um, but but regardless of that, we we saw that again, not as an issue that we said, OK, we we are we are defending this as our one and only uh, concern. But we saw this as both an encroachment on, or a regulatory encroachment as well as an encroachment on free you know, liberty for, you know, the freedom to to choose what you would like to purchase for yourself. And so, you know, both in, in those regards, I mean, our, our groups believe right in, in individual liberties and personal responsibilities. And, and this fit right up there. And here we saw the government, uh, you know, wanting to backtrack. And we we're like, no, we, we shouldn't be doing this. And the, the response we got was just it was pretty crazy, much more than we ever expected, more than we get on most things. And so that was the fun part. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 
who wants to ban goat milk? Um, well, I guess some legislators, but uh, I, I would imagine, you know, your, your larger ag groups who obviously include dairy farmers. I mean, I, I would at the end of the day would think it's a uh, competition issue. Uh, so you have that as well as you will have your departments of health, right, who will say, well, uh, you know, that this raw milk, we can't have it. And, you know, to us, it's sort of like, well, let's just let consu- willing consumers who know what they are purchasing, let's let them do that. And, and we've done that and and for several years with goat milk, and there's never been an issue. There hasn't been some major uh, illness uh, or illnesses come up. And so... It was uh, uh, just for whatever reason, though, some some legislators, at least one, uh, wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, we were talking on a previous episode about how legislators are reactive, as in most there are sometimes they get a passion project where they introduce a bill that's their own idea, but only legislators can introduce bills. So if a person outside wants a bill, they have to approach a legislator and convince them to introduce it. So, I mean, sure. But these bills are also they don't explain themselves like they just know that something was introduced and what it calls to do, not necessarily the coalition of forces behind it. But let's talk a little bit about the bounds of the Overton window here. I mean, what do you think is politically acceptable in the realm of goat milk regulation? (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I think our our law is a good step, I believe, uh, as, as I mentioned a minute ago. We have, you know, number one, we have willing consumers. No one is buying raw goat milk or raw cow milk, which is legal in about half the states. Um, a few states have much broader food freedom uh, regulation. Um, Utah does, North Dakota, a couple other states that I miss. I think Wyoming. Uh, so some Western states uh, have that broader where you're buying directly from the farmer, mm-hmm. may not have gone through USDA regulations, but you know that. They know that you know the farmer. You literally go to their farm to buy the product. So, so you are willing to buy it. You want to buy it. For we know people are very interested in in this type of food. And then at the same time, you have you, you know who you're buying it from, right? We don't know where our food. We don't know where our milk comes from when we go to the grocery store. And so it, it makes sense in that realm to have regulations to, uh, you know, protect consumers. But in this, we're protecting ourselves. Um, we have the ability to see what other people are saying about this person. And so I don't see any reason why we can't make this individual choice for ourselves, really, on um, what we want to do. And so goat milk is just the one little piece that we had in Mississippi that that was um, there were, the, you know, these attempts to um, remove even that. Yeah. So I, I think what you're kind of saying is that on one side of the window, it's like it's certainly seems to be politically possible to ban goat milk. There was a bill. There was discussion about that bill. Sure. And on the other end, if you look around the country, there's some uh, states that have pretty loose regulations around. Uh, the sales of these products, including like whether they, uh, you can sell it without it even being pasteurized. So right. selling it with food, food and safety warnings. But in, in your case for here, you wanted to say 
you know that banning thing? That should be outside of the window. That shouldn't be on the table. This limited market that we have at a bare minimum is good, and we probably should be expanding that. That's um, right. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it, it is um, certainly, you know, in the works that y'all do, in the work that we do, we are interested in expanding people's uh, freedoms and, and ability to, um, you know, purchase things they would like that don't harm others. So Yeah. So what was your strategy to defend the limited legal market that existed? Well, you know, as as we mentioned a couple of times, it, it really wasn't a big strategy that we had, right? We weren't planning the way you might go into a session and say, okay, we are going to, this is the year for right to work, or this is the year we repeal CON laws. It's like, um, which, you know. Although it, your right to work year was 1947, I believe. Uh, yeah. Later. It, 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 yeah. So you have more experience. So you have more recent experience. We do not. But um, yeah. But, but this was a part of the defense that kind of came up and you said, you know what, that's, that's something we can spend some time on. Yeah. And so this came up and, and really, so what we do, what we did was basically we write, you know, is this good policy? Is this bad policy? Um, and much the way you might um, rate a bill or grade a bill. And so, but just with, you know, certain bills, we would do that and do a little blog post, a little graphic um, behind it and shared it. And it just blew up you know, organically. Um it, it was, you know, certainly I think it was maybe our second or third most read blog post or, or story on our website um, this year. Um, I guess 2020 is still uh, going on. But so just the, the write up on why it's bad policy, which was not more than four or five hundred words. Started sharing on social media, sharing in our Facebook group, and it, it just sort of took on its own thing that the advocates are very um uh uh very excited i don't i guess excited to good word they're very passionate uh about this and so they they were very vocal on social media created this big wave we're a state where a lot of discussions take place on facebook that that's sort of the big place um lawmakers still use like just a regular profile uh, personal page rather than an actual official page. And people are just writing on their walls. Like, what are you doing with this? You know, you, you have to pose it. And there was no, there was no opposition. So that's always nice that say the department of health or your farm bureaus who may just be, you know, be against us for one reason or the other, they weren't out there really saying anything for, for whatever reason. And so it just really took off to where it was like there was such a um, large audience or at least the appearance of a large audience that they they just had to uh, let the bill that had already passed the House Ag Committee was double referred, meaning it has to go through two committees, sent to the House Public Health Committee where the chairman just let it die. And so this is all within a matter of a few weeks. We have you know, very tight deadlines in our legislative calendars in Mississippi. And so have a narrow window that things have to pass um, or things can die. And in this case, the bill, the bill just died. The, the chairman of the second committee was like, yeah, we're not going to we're not going to fight this. We're not going to deal with this, which is completely opposite. It passed out of the ag, excuse me, out of the ag committee, really um, 
without any notice. It was then that we noticed it and really put put this pressure on. We're like, and, and it was just like, yeah, this is obvious. We need to take this on. Mm-hmm. We don't know who who's with us, but obviously um, a lot of people were. And, and you know, it, it was a nice win um, uh, for freedom and for, for just people who want to engage and, and to show you can get engaged. And that was a pretty cool thing. So why do you think there was so much interest on this issue? Well, I think it's a it's a niche issue, right? Um, even if we had a small uh, farmers who are engaged yeah, in the practice yeah. cared about and, it, and that was it. At first, it was like when you think of the audience, it's like, well, okay, it's the, this small group who sell and drink goat milk. Yeah, and, and you know that's not large. Even if goat milk was available at your grocery store right next to your regular pasteurized 1%, 2% whole milk, whatever, it still would be a tiny, you know, portion of the market. Um, and much the same way other, other options are when it comes, you know, um, with, with different varieties of milk these days, but yes, that they, they are passionate. And then the, the other side is just, we were telling, you know, we, we were explaining to people like, look, the government's taking away your right to do this, to to consume a milk product that comes from, you know, comes from a, uh, obviously from an animal, from a goat. And it's like, you know, well, like a lot of people, well, I grew up on, you know, I grew up on a farm and we drank raw cow's milk. It would usually be the standard, not goat milk. But, you know, we drank this growing up. There, there's, this is what I was raised on. And so you had some of that. And then you had people like, I don't want the government telling me what I can put or not put in my body. Um, they, these should be my choices. And so you, you really had this like to where they may never have had goat milk. Um, but it, there was something that just seemed wrong about this. Mm-hmm. All right. So you saw this bill coming through, you raised the alarm and just like some of your normal means, you got a big reaction and you're like, all right, people are interested. What? Uh, and, and I assume at this point, some people are coming out of the woodworks to tell you their stories. Sure. Um, like, like how did that come about? Sure. I- so, so we, I guess we had just um, posted the story, shared it on our website, on social, um, may have had it in a, in an email by this point. Um, but we had a lady, um, who, who had been a a support, just someone who'd been, uh, affiliated with our organization in various ways, maybe a small donor and just, um, you know, going back to the nineties really, who lived probably half an hour from the Capitol came to our office and was like, yeah, I I just can't believe this. And by the way, I'm a uh, goat farmer. And, and sell goat milk. And I was like, well, that that's interesting. Do you want to do a video? And so she came back a couple of days later and I just did a video drinking goat milk. And it was like, here I am. I'm, I'm like, I've never had this before. Um, but, but let's do this and, and do this on video and, and sort of to, to make fun of the, um, you know, ridiculousness of like, you know, am I going to die? Am I about to get sick once I drink this? And it's like, no. And it, it tasted perfectly normal, like, you know, any, any other milk, probably a little better. But, um, you know, so we just did that. And that Although, became kind of a, a seems like you're celebrating a kind of freedom that these lawmakers want to ban. Right, right. Or, or that this lady, you know, or her family partially makes a living off of. 
And so, you know, as we said, it's, it's a very small market. You can only have so many goats. Goats do not produce milk the way cows do. So you, you're not making a living. Nobody is living off of their sales of goat milk. Or if they are, they'd be in, in deep poverty. But, you know, it was just something they did, something they raised their kids to do, to, to you know, farm with them, to, to grow up there. Um, and so it, it, it just really was like, you know, okay, the same reason we use personal stories in any issue, right? These are real people living real lives, trying to, you know, earn a living or earn part of a living and doing something that's not harming anybody. And the government wants to say, no, you can't do that. And, and that, that just impacts a lot of people that, that gets a lot of people motivated, aggravated. And, you know, at the end of the day, our goal was always like, okay, we need to expand. Like, you don't like the government doing this. Well, guess what else the government's doing? And, and so that, you know, so you, you kind of bring them in with this and you, you feed them something else. Mm-hmm. So what are, uh, what else have you been feeding them? <laughs> or you've got an active market. They're interested yeah. in these issues. They've yeah. been engaged. They've got success. I mean, that makes you feel good. It makes you feel powerful and they can be, uh, and they can uh, use that kind of power on other issues too. And that's exactly right. And, and so you have to do right, really a couple things with that is keep people engaged, um, keep people interested in issues, keep issues interesting too, um, that it, it's one thing, right, to talk broadly about regulations. It's another thing to talk about how they specifically impact you. Uh, so obviously this is a regulation, right, or would have been a, a new regulation, so it, it just cuts through through many areas, um, particularly, I mean, with ag, there, there's just a huge market for this, you know, the, these sort of small farmers that, that we talked about at the top that, you know, would like to sell sort of these natural products uh, or these products that may not have gone through the normal regulatory process. And there's also a huge market of people who would like to purchase that and, and that they all know what they're getting. But but just to say, like, th- there's faces on all these stories. I mean, that that's always been the, the big thing. That's always been the thing we've looked for, y'all have looked for, any of our groups uh, should be trying to do that. It, it's not, you know, it's not just a, a regulatory number. That was one a story we did. This, this is not just a number. And, and there's any number of regulations that we can talk about that impact virtually everybody in the state and should irritate just about anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are the prospects for opening the goat milk market going forward? <laughs> you know, like but, letting people legally yeah. allowed to sell their product actually be allowed to advertise that their product is for sale? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we will have to see what, what the new year brings. It, it was kind of last year was kind of like just playing defense, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are always bills to expand food freedom. I would imagine that will that that will continue. Uh, there there are headwinds. So the same people who are fighting th- this little market of goat milk will, will be the ones fighting. Um, you know, any expanded food freedom. It's always easier to either defend or kill something rather than pass a new law, which is what we would try to be doing right with food freedom. But I mean at the end of the day, it comes down to people and what people really want. 
And if you can drive those people to do things, to take action, to get involved, I mean, that that's what's really going to change, change, change anything, but certainly this, um, to where your average legislator probably looks at it and like, you know, who would want raw cow's milk or who would want to buy chicken that hasn't been processed by a USDA facility or, 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 or ground beef that haven't been processed at a USDA facility. It's like, well, no, you probably wouldn't, but I bet you have a, at least a few constituents who would. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know what polling would, would say on this. I don't know uh, how many people would versus wouldn't like this or vice versa, but it's, you know, you really sell it as, look, it's about giving these people, letting these people choose. It doesn't have to be everybody. There's nobody who necessarily, you know, you, you don't need a majority of something for the reason to make it legal. And so, you know, that that will just continue to be the work of selling, you know, of, of selling the, the this, you know, the idea behind what people want. And so, we shall see. It's a it's a long process. I, I would say. Well, well, let's take in some hypothetical communication strategies on this issue of just saying, all right, this is what we want. We want to expand food freedom. You know, make it certainly legal to be a cottage industry. Loosen the restrictions. Just push somewhere in this direction. You know, you can you can reach pretty pretty highly with a bill if uh, if you want, but but you know you're going to face some opposition. Sure. What's your strategy to overcome that opposition? Well, I think with the opposition, number one, you sort of know who your opposition is and what they would say. And that would certainly be to where it's um, particularly like the health side, Department of Health of the world. And you can certainly show that there have been zero um, illnesses related to expanded food freedom uh, in the states we mentioned, North Dakota, Wyoming, Utah. That, so it has not been an issue. So that that's... So not, that, that's good. You've got benchmarking. Yeah. You've got examples and evidence yeah. to deal with their primary right. opposition. Right. And so you, you, your facts trump their, your facts are, are more accurate than their, you, you bring facts to where they bring a philosophical theory. theory. And, and so you have that, but at the end of the day, it, it's really th- this issue in particular, if we're really getting into food freedom mm-hmm. is about, people it's so not just what people want but also what farmers so i mean that's another big thing um because and you're really dealing with small farmers uh in whether it's goat milk raw cow milk uh or meat you're going to be looking at your smaller operations rather than um you know just the normal large groups who certainly want this regulatory um hurdle to to limit competition the same way any um, <laughs> market participant wants regulations into their market. Um, and so it, it's really just going to be an issue of uh, support, you know, supporting these small businesses, businesses, these small farmers and, you know, helping, you know, let them just enter the market. And so I think at the end of the day, you're all so they're always going to have um, large agriculture groups fighting this. Mm-hmm. And, and large agriculture groups are some of the, like the back and forth is why we have these regulatory processes to begin with. Right. Right. And, and we're a very rural state. And I know, you know, you know, other state, I mean, there's plenty of other states like us though, that, that say a farm bureau is a very big, 
um, uh, influencer and that legislators want Farm Bureau or or any of these groups, I don't mean to just pick on them, want any of their, their support, not just their money, but just their support. And that's what it means to be um, pro-ag, pro-farmer, pro, um, you know, rural culture is to have their backing. And so we need to twist it or, or not twist it, but just showcase like, yes, there, there's nothing wrong with these large groups. We support them. We just want to let more people enter the market. And, and so that's really what it comes down to is um, you, you do that and then trying to influence legislators to, to, to see that, to be impacted by that. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you know your opposition, you know your strategy of dealing with their opposition. Mm-hmm. You know what you want to push is in like we've got these small business people that are on our side. Let's tell their stories, let's gain sympathy for them. Who do you need to convince? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's obviously legislators, right? Because mm-hmm. um, you're not you're not gonna win, say, those other groups. They they just have mm-hmm. too much of a reason not to. Um, so it's really a play to legislators to show them um, why we, why not we as an organization, but why we as that small farmer or that person who wants to purchase this product, um, why they need it. And then, you know, you also show them why it's not going to hurt you politically, right? Because that's the other thing. If you're in politics, your goal is to get reelected, right? Or to move up to a better office. And so, and, and I think you can you can obviously do that. Uh, you can make the point, but I think that's really where, and what we saw with the goat milk was the, the even if it was just a, a small number of people at the end of the day, just the intensity can make it seem like so much more. And so, you know, we're really in that position. Um, and then you don't, you have some opposition, but again, it's not like um, it, it, it. So there is that opposition we talked about. Maybe it's because we're so used to in our world, in the center right world, our opposition is usually government, right? It, it's government groups. It's whatever been, whatever's been created for government. So it just feels different. Um, and that you don't necessarily have that, uh, except I guess maybe Department of Health a little bit, but but not to where you have large uh, uh, government created monopolies, like say a teachers union, um, or, or whatever it might be, or you know any government union. And so you really can, I think, in in this regard, this is one of the issues where people can can have a big impact. Um, you know, most people don't know a lot about this. That's the other thing. Uh, you don't really think a lot about it. And to where if they can hear from, you know, a good chunk of people saying they want this, I think it can have an impact. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is really interesting. To go back to the to the Overton window, some people thought it was politically acceptable to ban the limited market for goat milk that existed. And all you had to do was just let people know, hey, this is what they're doing. Yep. And you found that there was a lot of interest in the subject. And that little bit of it, that interest that you were able to generate, which I assume the people that introduced the bill did not expect to happen, correct enough to kill what already seemed to be obvious. And so now you've got this kind of group of people out there 
who you can engage on these kind of issues of saying it's not just about goat milk. It's about all cottage industries. It's about uh, over-regulation of agricultural products. And shouldn't people be allowed to do this? And theoretically, that market shouldn't be that powerful because, you know, the agriculture industries have already made health and safety uh, mechanisms that only large agricultural providers can can go through. So... Um, and but you've gone to the system where it's like, well, that seemed to be in the window. Now it's clearly out of it, and that other bound on what is legally acceptable is starting to open up. I think that's uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it it was. You know, and, and it was funny because it was sort of moving in the opposite direction, right? So like when they wanted to, you know, let's just get rid of this small exemption, right? And so yeah, I mean that that's where you talk about it moving. And that by them trying that, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's hopefully, we don't know exactly what will happen, but hopefully you can see, you know, yeah, they went from trying to go in the opposite direction to where, yes, we, we can not just push back about against that, but push forward um, with more um, better policy. So you're a communications professional. You've had success in changing policy. It's not necessarily all that applicable to like normal listeners, but we all have political conversations where we want to persuade people. So what have you learned uh, in your work that can help people be more persuasive to each other in their political conversations? Well, I think, and and this isn't necessarily new, but I think having people, um, having actual people who are harmed by government, um, by government's actions, you just need, you need to have, um, uh, you know, those people out um, front and center. Uh, you need to tell their stories. And another thing, you know, I like, I like to be fun. I like to make this fun. So like the goat milk video of me, you know, drinking goat milk for a YouTube and Facebook video. And it's like, you know, it, it just to sort of, sort of show the ridiculousness of government. And so I think when you do that and, and then just really the, the other piece of this was like we were able to get a ton of organic reach um, just because people are so passionate about it. And we can't decide what policies to fight or not fight because you have a passionate base. It's certainly nice, though. And really, the you know, you, you bring them in and the goal and the hope is you grow them into activists who will, you know, engage uh, beyond maybe that one niche issue. And so that that's what you look for. I, I think, you know, lots of times we've tried to be like, hey, come give us your email because we're for limited government and individual liberty. And it's like, yeah, you might get some of that. But we were getting email addresses for 30 or 40 cents, uh, an email on, you know, th- this attempt to ban goat milk. And so. Wait, uh, so I can't so, let you just go down. What, what did you say? Like you, you what, uh, why do you pay for emails? And is that low? Is that high? <laughs> um, yeah. So I would say, yeah. I mean, if so, we're going to talk so, about strategy. We got to deal with it. I, I don't think people so, know that part, uh, how this works. Right. So we certainly want to grow our email list. That's the easiest way to reach people. We, I've talked about social. I've talked about 
organic reach and how it went pretty well. But at the end of the day, that's just a rented audience, right? So we want to own our audience to have that email address, that phone number to text people. Way to uh, communicate directly with people. Go directly to the people, right? And so not worry about what you're saying being filtered. You know, right now Facebook has a pause on political advertisement through, you know, through January or through the Georgia runoffs. And so there's lots of just things or at any day they may just say, no, thanks. I think like Twitter has done. And so, yeah, so so our goal to that has always been to grow our email list. And so, you know, and, and so we would do the more traditional. This is sort of who we are, why you should care type stuff. But then this was just like, you know a petition or, or just whatever, or help, you know, help fight back against this, you know, this, this policy or proposal. And I mean, it, it was like instant, sort of like the, the people, the way people shared and forwarded the stories. And we were able to get, you know, email addresses for 30 cents, 40 cents, 50 cents compared to, I would say a good average is a dollar. Uh, there's, plenty of times I've been above that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so we were getting email addresses cheap, do that. Um, and then just nurture your, your audience, help them grow, help them to see why you're, why you're fighting for this, what the bigger picture is. Mm -hmm. Well, Brett, congratulations on your policy victory and good luck in your work to shift the Overton window. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overton Window, a podcast by the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Learn more about The Overton Window at www.theovertonwindow.com.